Okay. This is going to be the shortest teaching time you have ever had. It is 7.50. We have a deacon's meeting in 10 minutes. I'm going to get through this in five. Not joking. Uh, I came prepared tonight to speak for five minutes or for 20 or for whatever I had. Um, But I didn't want to wait. So we're in Revelation 20. I'm not going to even read it. But I'm going to reference it. So look there with me. There are four scenes in Revelation 20. And it just so happens that one of the key questions to understanding our end-time theology, what do we believe about the end, is answered here, um, or at least is addressed here. And this happens to be the most debated text in all of Revelation, so perfect that I get to do it in such short time. Y'all don't get to ask any hard questions. Um, but truly, this has just been a delightful study, and so here we go on Revelation 20. This is about the millennium. If you look up there at the beginning, the thousand years, the millennial reign is probably some title in your English edition. And there are four scenes, verses 1 through 3, Satan is bound. Satan is taken by an angel at the direction of God's word. He is thrown into a pit, and he is bound in that pit for a thousand years, the text says. Now, you know that already there's a lot of symbolism in here, in the book of Revelation as a whole, in this type of literature. I take that thousand years to be a symbolic period, but a literal period, but a symbolic time period, thousand representing a very long time, perhaps more than a thousand years. But in this thousand years, Jesus reigns on earth in flesh, in person. The devil is locked away and he reigns in righteousness and justice without the adversary doing what he has done throughout the ages. That's scene one. Scene two, there's the millennial reign itself, verses four through six. There is this delegated authority given to some who will judge. Um, The ones that are appointed to judge are either perhaps the martyrs or perhaps speaking, and I think more likely speaking, of believers as a whole. And so these believers, we get hints of this throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament, the book of Daniel. It's the same group that we saw back in chapter 13, those who refuse to worship the beast and his image. And so they, they reign with Christ. There are some that are judging them, and then they will be reigning with Christ throughout the millennium. And we see this in verse 5, that not all have been raised at this point in this thousand-year reign after the coming of Christ. Christ has come. We already saw that back in chapter 19. I should remind you of that. So Christ is here on earth in flesh ruling. The unbelievers uh, that have died are still in the grave. They have not been raised, and they will not be raised until the end of the millennium. But the ones who have been raised will reign with Christ as priests in a period that is free of satanic activity completely. That's scene two. Now scene three, Satan is released and is followed in a final battle, verses seven through 10. Basically look at these four paragraphs. Those are our four sections there. At the end of the millennium, Satan is set free just for a little bit, just for a short time. This is not a jailbreak. This is not escape from Alcatraz. He is released strategically for a short time. Back in 19, we saw that God threw the beast and the false prophet into the lake of fire, but Satan has not yet been judged until now. Satan is judged here when we look at verse 10, seeing the beginning of this. Satan is released just for this short time. He rages against God. He mounts one final rebellion against him. And what's interesting is without hesitation, the earth dwellers, the unbelievers who have still been on earth throughout this millennial reign And believers reigning, some unbelievers there, Christ King on the earth, they go and they link right back up with the adversary as he's released. And they mount this opposition against Christ. You'd expect a big epic battle, but no, there's none. 
fire falls from, from heaven and consumes them, just like we saw in chapter 19. There's no fight. We might ask why God allows Satan to, to bring his forces. Why is he released? Why this whole thing? Well, in the very, very short time that we have, I think part of it demonstrates just how depraved are the enemies of God. That even after a millennium, they are still raging against God and will ultimately seek to unthrone him as foolishly as that is. Sin always blinds us and makes us do foolish things. It's hard to depict something more foolish. And so finally, we have Satan's judgment in verse 10. And I'll read it. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Fourth scene. The great white throne judgment in verses 11 through 15. A lot of imagery here from the book of Daniel. Daniel 7 verses 9 and 10. The ancient of days on his great throne. Here we see also believers will come before the great white throne judgment. Interesting, isn't it? Believers are not finally judged according to our own deeds. If we did, we would have no hope. We're judged according to the work of Christ. If we would have to come to God apart from Christ's atonement within ourselves, we would be doomed. But we come ultimately in, this, in the, the name of Christ. But there does seem to be this interesting, some accounting of our deeds. Rewards are given for good works, but there still seems to be some recognition of what we have done throughout our life, even if finally the verdict is given in the name of Christ for those who have been atoned for through the blood of the Lamb. Church, there's no greater news that I could share with you than this, that our King is coming again. I just zoomed through this, but that's the point at the end of the day. Our King is coming again. The adversary's time is running short, and he knows it. And so as we close, God promised that he would fill the earth with his glory. He's done that throughout the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 14, 21, Habakkuk 2, 14, and elsewhere, that God would fill the earth with his glory. And God's people could say, when? When? With all the stuff going on in Afghanistan, with all the flooding and the hurricanes, the earthquake, the, the wildfire. When, God? When? Here's when. The time when Christ will come in person and reign from the earth for a millennium. And so as we read verse 20, or chapter 20 of Revelation, we see the fulfillment of these declarations. And so there you have it. Two more chapters in the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and chapter 20. You can just flip there and look. So God willing, this will be two more weeks that we'll do this. Not next week. We'll have uh, Chris Seeger will be in here with you next week teaching. Um, but we will finish up Revelation. I've got some other interesting things that we'll be doing together. I would encourage you, though. And by all means, by the way, I will send you these notes. There's a whole lot that I didn't say. I'd be glad to send them to you, uh, and you're welcome to look at them. And I encourage you to read it, just that word, that our King is coming again when he will make all things right. Amen? Okay, amen. God bless you. Have a good evening. Deacons, we'll see you in a little bit.